Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. You are going to love the podcast today. It is going to be one that you will want to take lots of notes on, and I know that you'll communicate it to others. That being said, I want to remind you of two roundtables that are coming up. One's June 6th in Claremore, Oklahoma, and the other one is June 20th in Norcross, Georgia. So one's right outside Tulsa. The other one is right outside Atlanta. What I want to encourage you is we're doing the four stages of a leader's life, and people are loving it. It's helping add perspective and depth to their journey as leaders. So I want to encourage you. I also want to remind you that there are two events I do. One I will be doing in Miami in August and the other one in Boston in September. And they're strategic growth seminars. This deals with unlocking the technical side of church. Do you know what the five seasons of a church are? Do you know why a church gets stuck in one season and never gets out? Do you know how to reach the fifth season and then start over again? If you don't know the answers to those, I'd love to see you in Miami and I'd love to see you in Boston. These will help you. You're going to love the podcast today. It's called The School of Leadership. It will help you. I want to welcome everyone to the podcast. What you're going to do is you're going to be in a room that I love. Now, this is a very, very special room. It's one of my favorite rooms to ever be in. It is the School of Leadership. A year ago, we started the School of Leadership. And when we started it, I wasn't sure if we would be able to do what I felt God wanted us to do. But after a year, I can tell you what's happening in that room. It is what God wants to happen. And so I wanted to give all of you that listen to my podcast an opportunity to be able to experience the school of leadership. And so once a week, we bring people in and we teach them high value leadership. The reason for that is I believe that the church has failed this world. And we failed this world by letting this world define leadership. And the church went and had its holy huddle. And we went into our little groups and we called them discipleship groups. But we hid out from the world. And in the midst of that, we let the world define leadership. And it became skills of leadership based on three things. People who want power, position, and prestige. But the simple truth of the matter is, leadership is none of those things. As you've heard me say so often, when you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. So the people in this room have been taught that concept. It's been ingrained in their souls. And more than being ingrained, we're starting to see it take effect in their souls. And they're beginning to be leaders in all of the various formats. Leaders in their home, leaders in business, leaders in the community. So I wanted to give you a glimpse through the podcast of what this looks like. I'm going to pray and we're going to jump into the lesson. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, today that you are going to take us on a journey. 
You're gonna help us to be smarter. You're gonna help us to be better. What we know is that there's not a finish line. We're always learning. We're always growing. And Lord, today we want to grow more. So thank you for allowing us to do that in Jesus' name. Today I want to talk to you about leading by listening. Leading by listening. I ran across a verse that really sort of troubled my heart. And I think you're going to figure out why it troubled my heart. It was in Hebrews chapter 5 verses 11 and 12. The writer of Hebrews says, I have a lot more to say about this, but it's hard to get it across to you since you've picked up this bad habit of not listening. By this time, you should be leaders yourself. I want you to get why that verse troubled me. The writer of Hebrews was saying that there were people who should be leaders that are not leaders. People who could be leaders who are not leading, and it's all because they lack the skill of listening. This writer has basically taken leadership and tied it to the skill of listening. And he said that skill and integrating it into your life is the difference between being a leader and not being a leader, being an effective leader and being an ineffective leader. Now, the interesting thing about this concept of listening is that Jesus taught his disciples, and I want to pause there, his disciples, 12 individuals that were going to be the leaders of the New Testament church. And he taught his disciples specifically about the skill of listening. So in his journey with them, he's spending days, he's spending weeks, he's spending months with them, But he pauses and he says to them, I need to teach you how to listen. And so you have verses like this in Mark chapter 4 and verse 23. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, this verse is important because Jesus is distinguishing the difference between the ability to hear, they have ears, and hearing and listening. He distinguishes that just because you have the ability to hear doesn't mean that you are hearing, that you are listening. Now, what I frequently do is I illustrate it with two things. Anybody who's been married and anyone who's ever been a teenager, you know that it's possible to have the ability to hear and not hear. All of us that are married We've had conversations with our husband or our wives, and during those conversations, they are talking, noise is happening in our ears, and yet we're not listening. And they look at us and they say, are you listening to me? And we smile and look at them and say, oh yes, I am. But there's always this designation, because when they're really, really smart, they look back and say, tell me what I said and we sit there dumbfounded why because we know that we heard noise we know that we heard sound we had the ability to hear but we were not listening because we could not repeat back what was being said as a teenager it happens so frequently a parent is talking as the parent is talking finally they look with a little 
degree of frustration and look at them and say, are you listening? The teenager nods their head, at which point the parent says, repeat back. And they can't repeat it. It is the designation between the ability to hear and hearing. Now, what Jesus was beginning to say was this. The tendency among people is we listen to what we like. We do not listen to learn. And that is the distinction. We listen to like something, not to learn something. So when we listen, we're listening and immediately we say, do we like that? Not, can I learn from that? And what Jesus was saying is leaders have learned not just to listen to what they like, but they've learned to listen so that they can learn. And that's the distinguishing quality. And what he was referencing on a technical end is that each of us create filters. In the way that someone would have a pool and that pool cycles through a filter, that filter is designed to get out debris, sand, various things in the water, and then the water comes back into the pool. All of us have filters. And these filters are things that hit our ear. And if they don't resonate the way we like it, they get filtered out. So I illustrate it this way, that I've had the privilege to be married to the prettiest girl for nearly 46 years. Now, I love that girl. But there are times when we have conversations. And one of the things that I've learned is that you can say the same word and it means different things. So my wife, Jenny, can say, sweetheart, and that is the most wonderful word I can hear, sweetheart. But she can say that word sweetheart in a different tone, and it does not sound wonderful, and it does not sound sweet, and it does not sound cuddly, and it does not sound comfortable. And when she says that word sweetheart with the other tone, do you know what? My filter goes up, because here's what my filter says. I'm about to get news I do not want to get. I'm about to be told something I do not want to hear. So all of a sudden, when that sweetheart comes up, all my filters go up. And the problem is, at that point, I hear noise, but I'm no longer hearing. And so we could be driving down a road, and all of a sudden, she uses that second tone of sweetheart, and when she uses it, I immediately shut her down. But then she follows up and says, do you see that truck isn't stopping at the stop sign? And what happens is, because I wasn't listening to her, my filters came up, we would be in danger of being hit by a vehicle. And I was not listening to learn, I was listening to like. Now, that being said, our filters get in the way of learning. And that's what the writer of Hebrews was saying. That when people just listen and don't listen thoroughly or are not listening, they could lead, but they don't lead because 
they haven't learned to manage their filters. Now, our filters will get in the way of learning. And the way they get in the way of learning is that our filters always make a couple of thoughts. We assume everyone knows what we know. And seeing that we've all taken different journeys, not everyone knows what I know, but I don't know what everyone else knows. So there are people who've been through things that I haven't been through, and there are things I've been through that they haven't been through. But see, my tendency is to put the filter up. They must know what I know. They've been through what I've been through. They're committed to what I'm committed to. And as a result of that, I'm wanting to hear them talk through those filters. I was thinking about this, and Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount emphasized five filters that he asked his disciples to begin to change. Five different kinds of filters that he really challenged them about, that if they were going to be prolific leaders, that they really needed to change. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21 of the Sermon on the Mount, we hear these words. You've heard that it was said, but I'm saying to you, Now, what he was doing was he was challenging the filter of the past. And see, in the past, certain things had been said certain ways, values had been created certain ways, and what had been said and the values that had been created, he's saying, I need to tell you, you cannot let the filter of the past cause you to miss what I'm saying today. And see, a lot of people, the filter of the past gets them. And Jesus is looking, you've heard that it was said of old. And so the past can become one of the filters. And a lot of people who've lived a long time, they've had a lot of experiences, they've been through a lot of things. Many times, because something new is happening, they put the filter up of the past, and they're no longer in a learning mode because it's just different than the past. But then he also challenged the filter that all of us have, which is the defensive mechanism. And the defensive mechanism is when people begin to respond to us. And the defensive mechanism goes like this. Someone says something that is uncomfortable to you, Someone says something that you feel like challenges you. And what Jesus said, he says, in the olden days, you used to hear, love your friends, but it's all right to hate your enemies. But he said, I want to give you a different way of listening. And he said, I want you to pray for people who at times might even use you. And I want you to bless people who sometimes have done difficult things to you. What he was saying is, if you're going to learn in God's capacity, then your defensive mechanism can't be when people do something, you just shut them down. That you just shut them down and you say, we're not going any further. He says, you pray, you bless, and at times you even help. 
And so he said the defensive mechanism. And then he said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, he was talking about people that were giving and how many times people gave and made a show of it. And he was talking about our personal perceptions of how we think we're going to be seen. How we think we're going to be seen. And in the middle of that, what he says is, you've got to drop the perception filter. You can't learn and worry about how you're seen. You may not have all the right answers all the time, but you can't. It's interesting, if you went over to uh, London, England, and you went to Shakespeare's Theater. Now, that theater has been there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's an open-air theater that literally Shakespeare was done in every night for decades and centuries. But when you look at the stage, there's these set of seats that are behind the stage, and they're really the worst seats that you could imagine if you were trying to watch. Because you're seeing behind the actors, you're not seeing the actors. But here's the reason those seats were put there. It was where the royalty would sit. And when they came to Shakespeare's theater, they wanted to be seen. So they positioned where everyone would have to see them well here's the thing sometimes we do things based on how we perceive we're going to be seen and Jesus was saying sometimes to be in a learning posture you're going to have to let perception of how you're going to come across be secondary to learning but then he goes on in Matthew chapter 6 And he says, and there, he says, which of you, by taking thought, being anxious, being fearful, and what he's talking about is our ingrained fears. All of us have things that are in us that many times we're fearful of. And that fear can get the best of us. And he's talking about that if you're going to have a learning capacity, you're going to have to be able to drop your fear filters down to hear what God wants to say. But then in Matthew chapter 7, he says, judge not lest you be judged. And this is our tendency to cast personal judgment on other people. Well, you're this and I judge you accordingly. And we immediately pigeonhole people. And what Jesus said is, that is a filter that you can't have. Because when you use that filter, that filter is going to be used on you. And the way that you judge and filter others, you will find yourself being judged and filtered by those same filters. So what Jesus did was he was always challenging his disciples about their hearing capacity and to challenge the filters that they had, the filter of the past, the defensive mechanisms we have when people sometimes do things we don't enjoy, that personal perception, those ingrained fears, those personal judgments. But when Jesus talked to his disciples about learning, 
Here's what he said. If you're going to really listen, then you have to value what you hear. You have to value. And so in Mark chapter 4 and verse 24, he says, take heed what you hear. For the measure that you hear it is how it's going to be measured. That word measured is the word value. The value you place upon what you hear is the value that it comes back to you. And so if you're listening to something, but you don't place a value on what you're listening to, then it's as though you didn't hear it. Because you don't get value from things that you don't value. The value that you place on it is the value that it comes back. And that's why Jesus said earlier that when it comes even to the word of God, some get a return of 30-fold, some 60 and some 100. And what he was saying is, you will always get the value of God's word that you place on it. And if you just place 30-fold on it, that's what you're going to get. If you place 60-fold, that's what you're going to get. If you place 100-fold, that's what you're going to get. What's intriguing to me is that James, who was Jesus' half-brother, took up this concept of listening in the book of James. And he adds to it, and it's like somehow he reflected back on what he heard his older brother said. And he began to implement the principles. So in James 1.22, it says, you've got to be doers of the word and not hearers only. He's talking about what listening really looks like. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and he goes away and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And so what he does is he completes the cycle. Jesus said, you've got to drop the filters or your filters will filter God out and you will not hear him. And you've got to be in a place that you value when things are being taught because it's the only way that they will become valuable to you. And the value that you place on them is the value that you're going to receive from them. But then James takes it a step further. He says, Hearing that doesn't become action is the same as not hearing at all. And so what he says is that hearing is only valued when action is taken. So truth has to have application. Lessons have to involve living. I was talking to a man here recently his family is in a free fall right now because it's becoming fragmented the fragmentation of his family is is devastating as anyone who's ever gone through that would know it's painful and there's regret and there's anger and there's hurt and there's frustration but there's always um friendly fire victims people who are victimized by a family being torn apart and in this particular case it's his child Now, his child's a little bit older, but this child is still in a home that's being fragmented. And he was asking me because he was frustrated because he feels like the child's choosing sides and it's not his side that the child's choosing. 
And I looked at him and I said, do you believe that's your job to love your child? And he looked and he said, absolutely. And I said, so your love for this child cannot become a victim of these events. And he looked at me a little bit stunned. And I said, your job is to love your child. Whether that child lives with you, whether that child doesn't live with you, your job is to love that child. And I said, right now, that child needs love. And I said, do not let there be a day that you're not texting, calling, or even writing that that child doesn't hear that you love the child. I said, your job is to not only believe that you are to love, but is to show that you love. And I said, every day there are three things you want to communicate. The love that you have for the child, the importance of the child to you, and the security that that child can have when they're around you. I said, you do everything you can to make sure that child doesn't feel a victim. If she chooses to live one place or another, it doesn't matter. You are to love. And I said, your love has to have actions. And the question was, well, what if they don't respond back? I said, it doesn't matter if they respond back. You love. Your job as a dad is to create love, value, and security. And you do that regardless. Well, what I'm saying to you is, it wouldn't be enough for a person to say, well, I know in my heart I love them. What you know in your heart isn't a value if they don't know it in their heart. So at that standpoint, every truth has to have application. And without application, there isn't real truth involved. It's interesting that James uses this. He says, the person who hears and doesn't do is like a man who looks in the mirror. And the man who looks in the mirror forgets what he looks like. I've always thought it was intriguing to me that he didn't say it's like a woman who looks in the mirror. He said it's like a man who looks in a mirror. See, every day I get up and I look in the mirror. And when I look, I get a reflection. And when that reflection comes back, I know this is the best I've got. And I've got to roll with it. On the other hand, when my wife gets up and looks in the mirror, she looks and she has options. And she can do some things. Well, a lady spends more time looking in the mirror. They don't forget what they look like. But what he compared listening to is a guy who just takes the glimpse and goes on. A lot of people take a glimpse at what God's saying and they move on as though he didn't say it. And so that is a part of it. Now, I want to conclude by just giving you a way to listen to God's word. And I want to take a verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, 
It says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, that verse is a very famous verse. It's an often quoted verse. But whenever you read a verse, there are three things in it that you look for. You look for the promise that God has given you. And in that verse, the promise is this. God will take care of you. But there's more than a promise. See, there are people in church who just want the promise of God. But in every promise, there's a principle. And the principle is you live your life not just because you believe God will take care of a need you have today, but you live your life with the principle that he is your provider every day. So you understand that there's a promise, God's going to meet my need today, but there's a principle, he's my provider every day. But wherever there's a promise and a principle, there's a pattern. And the pattern is how we live in light of that. And anyone who's read Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 and read before and after, they know that before it talks about generosity and after it talks about generosity. And what it's saying is, if you really believe that God is going to take care of your need and you really believe that God is your provider then you live a generous life. That's the pattern. But when you just want the promise of God without the principle or the pattern, you're not listening well to God. For those of you listening to the podcast, thank you so much for taking a few moments to hear. I wanted to give you a glimpse. We have the first two churches that are going to be taking this information, the videos, and all the content. They're going to become uh, schools of leadership, extensions for us. And so I'm so excited that you get a glimpse at my favorite room. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com. 